You've counted down the seconds. Now make every second count for you. University of Maryland Global Campus will help you wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to a new year where you take the next step in your education. Whether you want to study business, cybersecurity, healthcare, or IT, University of Maryland Global Campus can help. Apply by January 31st and we'll waive your application fee. Learn online. Visit umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Welcome to Elton and John's La Liga Weekly. Terry's on the line, hot from the ITV4 green room. It was a tough sell tonight for the terrestrial TV audience. You should watch Hitafe. They're well organised and hard working. I wonder if they can keep a clean sheet against Real Madrid. Hmm, what time does the Sweeney start? Yes, I'm afraid La Liga saved its worst game for its biggest audience. Still, we all make commercial mistakes from time to time. For example, I've got 500 Setien for Barca posters just back from the printers. He's got a philosophy. It's a philosophy that involves losing 7-0 over two games to Levante, but it's still a philosophy. I mean, what's the matter with everybody? What, what, is the whole country asleep? I don't think there's much deep thinking going on at Sharona. It's more likely they've just forgotten to sack Eusebio Sacristan. Maybe they think they did sack him, but no one actually made the call. True story. I once worked for a radio station and the bosses thought they'd sacked the guy, but no one processed it and he got paid for a year without going to work. And he wasn't even the football manager. Sort with a deadly weapon. GBH. Attempted murder. What are they, Rangers supporters? <laughs> uh, Sharona are 18th in La Liga after both Valladolid and Levante jumped out of the fiery pit of doom. Spare a thought then for Wesker, who won with two stunning goals but are still sinking, and for Rio, who held firm until the 55th minute at Sevilla. In the 86th minute, they conceded their fifth goal to the first player born in the 2000s to score in La Liga, Brian Hill. Not to be mistaken for Brian Hall, who signed for Plymouth from Liverpool in 1976. One more word from you and I'll neck you. <laughs> nice little dig cup, eh? <laughs> Barca won again, but the title race isn't done yet. That's because Atletico beat Valencia 3-2. It was always going to end up that way with those giddy fools, Simeone and Marcelino in charge. Get your trousers on. You're nicked. Now, isn't it reassuring that football is such a lovely ethical place these days? Take, for example, the advanced negotiations to play the Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. As Luis Rubiales of the Spanish Federation says, football can open borders, solve problems, be used to advance certain aspects of life and achieve equality. That's nice. Oh, and the FA would get paid 30 million euros a season, which is purely coincidental. If they're going to Saudi Arabia, it's definitely for ethical reasons. What's this? It's my lunch, sir. It's an apple. I'm a vegetarian. I want the glove compartment filled with Mars bars, wine gums and jelly flavors. And ham sandwiches. The sort that come in cellophane packets. And sausage rolls. Terry, good evening. You were the subject of a of a Twitter exchange. Um, do, you, uh, do you, you know Barney Bailey? Yeah, actually, course. it's quite 
as Twitter exchanges go, it's quite a nice one. Uh, Barney Roney of The Guardian says, uh, Terry Gibson is a top pundit. Not sure the mechanics of how he's ended up on ITV4 doing La Liga, but it's good. Uh, Octem <laughs> says, I think he was based in Spain as a scout for Bolton, hence the Spanish knowledge and experience. Uh, Chris Man Spurs replied, he used to play for Las Palmas, I think. He does a good work, <laughs> never sounding bored, but also never being overly excited. He hits the right mark. He's interested in what he's watching and he knows it well. He adds to the game on Coco. Octem, that was Vinnie Samways. Yep. <laughs> the hardest man in La Liga for about five yes. years. <laughs> yes. So there we are. There are, there are worse people. They're, they're all being nice and being compared to Vinnie, mistaken for Vinnie Samways. Uh, right. Anyway. So they're all, they're, they're so. It's, John, it's I've great. been called worse. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's great that uh, it is on ITV4. Of, of course. However. Uh, it wasn't the best game, was it? Hitafe can be a hard sell. They're a, they're a hard team to beat and they're a hard team to sell. Uh, and a, a nil-nil draw, which keeps them, or puts them back into fourth place, doesn't it? In the, still in the race for the Champions League. Yeah, I, I guess they are a hard sell, but I think that it makes it easier to sell in the fact that it's it's extraordinary what they are doing. I, I've been looking at it recently and the... the the record signing is, I think there's two or three players they've signed. One of them was Soldado for six million euros. And to see them competing against teams that spend four, five times that amount in each transfer window, in the case of Real Madrid, who they were playing against tonight, there's the 80 million for Bell or 90 million for Bell. Those players, 50 million for Benzema, that was 10 years ago now. So it really is extraordinary what they're doing. They have a type, don't they? It's They prefer to buy experienced players, not necessarily experienced the playing in the top division of La Liga. Um, they get, they've got a will to win. They've got a pretty simple structure in terms of their style of play. And they believe in it. And, and what they're achieving this season for them... I mean, I, I look back at the season as a whole now. Um, Espanyol had a really good start. Alaves, to their credit, are punching above their weight, but at stages during the season, we've talked about them as being possible Champions League teams. And Hatafe uh, somehow are still in a Champions League position. 34 rounds of fixtures. This isn't a brief spell at the start of the season or a good spell over Christmas where they push up the league. Um, this has been consistent from the, the first few weeks of the season. And now, you know, with four games to go, it's very possible that Hatafe are going to be playing their brand of football um, in the Champions League. And I don't know how it's going to work out. I've got, I've got to be honest. If it is the case, they do qualify. Uh, they've got a very highly rated, freakishly young-looking manager in Jose uh, Bordelas, <laughs> who is, is 55, but he looks about 40, doesn't he? He's looking in, in, in very good nick. Uh, He's working be hard a, at it, I think. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> couldn't be a bigger contrast to Zidane, could it? Because Zidane was was blessed with the you know the greatest football ability of, of his era, probably Zidane. Zidane straight into Real Madrid. Um, well, you know, having, having been at the Castilla and stuff, whereas Border, last boy, he took a long time to become an overnight sensation, didn't he? Can, and the big question is, can they hang on to him or is it, are, are they going to lose him? Because he's he's the crucial. As Gene, who wasn't playing tonight, is probably their star player, but he's a hardworking, uh, nippy centre-back, isn't he? Whereas exactly. Border, last is probably the most stealable asset from Hatafi. Yeah, and, and even if they qualify for the Champions League, he, he's 55, this is his 15th job. 
He's had jobs at Alcocon, I think, for three or four times. Alicante's been there for on a number of occasions as well. Hatafe is his first job in the top flight. He's a manager that got Alaves promoted and was sacked immediately as the season ended, which is absolutely ridiculous. They sacked him because of his lack of experience in the top division. Basically, basically they, they didn't trust him. So for him to then go and do it all again the next season with Hatafe, he'd been relegated, get them promoted, finish eighth, and now to be in fourth. It, it's it's no wonder. It's It's not just going to be the... So-called bigger clubs in Spain. Um, there will be other clubs around Europe as well. We've seen what he's been able to do with three centre-forwards, I think, have got something like 34 of the 43 goals this season that Hatafe scored. The three of them didn't cost anything. And for Jorge Molina, and who's to still be playing at 37, to get 13, Jaime Mata didn't cost anything, three from Valladolid. He's got 14. Angel Rodriguez was a free from Zaragoza. It just it embarrasses a lot of other managers, directors of football, who are every transfer window willing to pay millions for someone to get half half the goals that those three players have accumulated. So even if they qualify, he's probably going to look at it. it wasn't even full up tonight against Real Madrid. He's probably going to look and think what. Impact will it have on Hatafe domestically next season? What can they offer him to stay in terms of finances, or is he going to get better better offers from elsewhere? My, I'm assuming that he will um, better offers for him financially, better offers financially for him to to work and and build, improve a team that which he's going to in terms of finance for the, the budget of transfers, the salaries and whatever. And it, it might be it might be a case, <clears throat> sorry, of him taking the opportunity while it's there, as opposed to waiting for another one. Uh, let's have a chat about Real Madrid, shall we? We we we're going around in circles a bit. Do about we have Real Madrid. To? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's the point. Uh, I mean, so, what did you think? I mean, I, just, I, I honestly, I, I think they're marking time until the end of the season, and it's it's, it's sort of this long pre-season. Uh, that they're going through the. Uh, we just need to get on with the transfer business. That's, that that is literally the next thing to be done with Real Madrid, isn't it? We just. I, I understand he's not going to. He's not going to tell us who's in goal next season. He's not going to tell us which players are going. He's not going to tell us who he's signing. Um, so he's just like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on to the end of the season. Uh, there's plenty of other stuff interesting in La Liga, but it's it's certainly, I'm afraid to say, it's not Real Madrid, isn't it? So let's uh, couple. So. George wants to know, is it a betrayal to the younger players, Reguilon and uh, Llorente, that he keeps reverting to old squads? Uh, Forster, uh, is Benzema's goal scoring down to CR7's absence? For example, Dybala <laughs> is having his worst goal scoring season with CR7 in the team. And here's one, JR, would Real Madrid not benefit from signing a player such as Thiago rather than Pogba? because he wants a more technical player in that midfield. What do you think? Well, I think everything points to... We, we don't know exactly what Zidane wants, because if I remember rightly for me, his previous time as manager, he, he inherited the squad he pretty much ended up with, if I'm being honest. There wasn't massive changes. I think that was an attraction to Florentino Perez in the, in the first place, that they'd already spent a lot of money. So when you look at Zidane's time, there wasn't major significant signings where he, you felt he'd gone out and got a player that he wanted. He was quite content to, to, to do what was 
required from the club. And I think that's why he left, because he probably felt that he saw the signs. He knows his stuff. He saw the signs that it, it needed, the squad needed renovating. Um, so I'm, I, I'm assuming he's come back with those that understanding that he's going to be allowed to do that. So it'd be interesting now to see what he creates as opposed to what he improved last time. So he had that squad. He got the best out of them. He improved them as in, individuals. Pretty sim- simple setup in terms of playing style. His man management was a, a big part of it. And it's going to be interesting now to see him actually build a team um, that needs re- rebuilding. So we know of his interest in Pogba. We know of his interest in Hazard. So that gives us a clue as, so, as to what he's going to try and do. But I'm, I agree with you. They're just fulfilling fixtures now. There doesn't seem to be a plan in place for these games in terms of who's playing and who's not. Um, I didn't think Regulon was going to be in the squad. That was the complaint. He, he was in the squad and he starts and he plays to the same level he has been playing. Fede Valverde is getting opportunities more than I thought he would. And Brahim Diaz was a pleasant surprise tonight in the way that he played and made it an, more of an enjoyable watch with his performance. So I think it was slightly better from Gareth Bell. But it is just a question now of Real Madrid. This isn't the Real Madrid we want to see in La Liga. We want to see Real Madrid playing for titles. We want to see a title race that goes right down to the wire with two, three, four teams possibly. Um, so that's, again, it's, it's going to be a disappointing season for Real Madrid domestically, as well as not having the success to, to fall back on in the Champions League. And we want to see them spend some money, I'm afraid. I, don't, I normally think that's a bit short-term when, when I hear fans and, and pundits just ah, throw money at it, throw money at it. Th- that's their situation, isn't it? They need to throw money at it, Real Madrid. That's, that's, that's where they are. It's what needs to be done. Well, that's the point I was making. The last big signing was James Rodriguez um, from the World Cup before last. That was the last big superstar they bought. Then we had the likes of Danilo and Kovacic, people like that coming in, Mariano Diaz coming back to the club. It's Vinicius, is an exciting young talent. There's been a number of those players being brought in, Odria Zola. But it's not the Real Madrid we saw blow the, the, the football world apart when they signed Ronaldo, Benzema, Kaka, Xabi Alonso, Albiol, all in one transfer window. So... Whether we're going to get that again, I'm not too sure. Um, it's not as easy to do as it was 10 years ago because, interestingly, other big clubs around Europe are probably going to go through the same process as Real Madrid. Manchester United, yeah. for instance, that's a good one. Bayern Munich are looking to spend money. Um, I won't be surprised. I think people have underestimated there's some work needs to be done at Atletico Madrid, for instance, because... Felipe and Wanfran are not getting any younger. It looks like Diego Godin could be leaving. That's three of the regular back four that's departing, and Lucas Hernandez has gone. So that's going to need some work doing as well. So there's going to, it's going to be a massive transfer window for some big clubs and some big players. Uh, right, let's move on. Let's talk Betis, shall we? That's the club, the game that we've had most 
uh, chats about in the the questions. So, so thank you to everyone who's got in touch. By the way, uh, we're on Twitter uh, at La Liga underscore Weekly. We're on Facebook uh, La Liga Weekly as well. So get in touch and send us your questions now. Rich will set here and make it to the end of the season following the Levante defeat. This is the Betis coach. If you're not familiar, he looks a broken man at the moment with the club legend Sarah Ferrer waiting in the wings. Could we see both Seville clubs being led by their legendary sporting directors, uh, Coffee? says, huge fan of Setien and his philosophy. It's sad to watch him lose continuously. The squad needs to be revamped. Terry, any suggestions? Uh, Richard, from your experience, Terry, when you've got nothing to play for, how hard was it to get motivated for games? And uh, yes, that'll do us for now. So, Bet is, is, it, how, is, he, is he surviving? Is he going to get to the end of the season? Is he going to start next season? I, I hope that Betis... Keep patience with him to the end of the season and then sit down at the end of the season in the cold light of day, speak to him, try to find a solution why this season has drastically deteriorated in the second half of the season and and see what the conclusion is then. I'm not saying they should definitely keep him. I'm not saying they should back him in the transfer window if they keep him, but I think it needs, rather than make a, a, a big decision, I don't see the point in making the change now, if I was Real Betis, I think they need to do it with the pressure off, um, as opposed to on the back of that result. It's Our podcast we did on Sunday, I was firmly behind him not being sacked, but a 4-0 defeat to Levante away from home, the manner of the defeat. Um, it's very similar, although this time they're conceding goals, it's very similar to the other performances we see where lots of possession... Very few attempts on goal. No, they're not incisive. They're not giving us the striker service. And and it's, it's... I mean, they should be three or four places higher in the league. They should still be one of those teams that may be just behind Sevilla and Valencia in challenging Hatafe. It's for them not to be clearly not going to be in Europe next season. That's a big blow for Betis. That was part of the the progress they were looking for, regular European football as opposed to one every now and then. So I'm hoping they, they do that, get to the end of the season and then make a decision rash, you know, it, rather than rushing one through now. Uh, last one on that game. So Levante, they were in the, the drop zone, weren't they, till they won that? They jump up to 15. Incredible. Thumping win. Uh, uh, lads says, is Jose Luis Morales good enough to get one of those slightly questionable late bloomer moves to a top club in the summer? Now, he's a late bloomer, but we've been describing him as a late bloomer for, for years now, haven't we? Someone yeah. should have taken a gamble on him, shouldn't they? But no, no one no one did. It is an issue, John. I think it's going to change in years to come. It is an issue. Once you get to 30, then the likes of Adiris, for instance, his career has got far better from when he was 30 to before he was 30. Jorge Molina is 37. So there there will come a time pretty soon where we will look at players. Joaquin is another example. I mean, they're all fit. They're all looked after themselves. You have to be fortunate with injuries. But it's... I think managers, coaches, directors of football, there has to be an issue now where you're thinking... Well, we're not going to pay millions and millions of pounds for a player who's 32, 33. But if we can pick him up for the right price, if we can pay him the right salary, there is no reason why, you know, you have to evaluate each player differently. Some players are knackered at 31, 32. The ones, the ones I've just mentioned 
clearly are not. And I think there's going to be, you know, if a good market for players that do look after themselves. Perhaps didn't play till they were 23, 24. I noticed Jorge Molina didn't play professional till he was 25. He didn't play in the top division until he was 29. So it's not like they've got thousands of games on the clock, hundreds of games on the clock. But I think it's in the past we've looked at players in the over, over the age of 30, perhaps 31, 32, and think they're not worth any resale. There's no transfer. You're not paying transfer fees. Um, but I think it's a, it's a case now of, of looking and and there is good value for players that can look after themselves. So what level would you... Would you advise for Morales then? He's a tricky winger, isn't he? He's got good pace for a 31-year-old, clever player. Uh, he was another example, wasn't he? Because he was at Fuenlabrada well into his 20s, you know, playing uh, amateur football, and, you know, ridiculous. until mid-20s. So and what level would you go to? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there are different levels in Spain. I think we've got the, the obvious top three. Um, Hatafe are out their level. There's no doubt about that. But then I would look at... Teams like we just mentioned, the Betis, um, they could do far worse than have Morales playing for them. Um, a Villarreal, we've seen their form this season. Here's that level, Sevilla. I think a good sell to Vigo would be, you know, but then, you know, he'd be looking out and thinking he's particularly popular at Levante. Um, so there aren't many teams. There's unrealistic ones. Real Madrid and Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are not going to come in for him. There's probably only in La Liga to, to draw him away would be for one of those teams that shouldn't have a concern about being relegated every season and should be looking at European football. So I think there are probably three or four clubs that, that would he be good enough for Valencia? Probably in terms of his ability, yes, but he's, he's not going to play instead of Carlos Soler or Guedes or one or two of the others that are in reserve. So, But I think he, he is at that level. Um, and it, thankfully, with that win, it, it does look like he's going to continue playing um, in the Premier Division next season. Uh, Levante have scored 51 goals, which is more than Hatafe or Valencia. It's obviously conceding goals is their problem. Shall we talk about Barcelona? They're not the champions yet. They they will be, but uh, they, yep. they, they were they were kept waiting. Um, let's just talk about... Uh, so Hamsi says, was it stupid of Valverde to bring on Messi when the game was already won? <laughs> and now it's Suarez's turn to rest for the Levante game as Messi plays a false nine. So Or not. Is it, is, was it better to give... We don't um, know. Yeah, or Daniel wants to know. Daniel, on Facebook, by the way, our, face, our first Facebook question, uh, will Messi play against Levante on Saturday? Oh, yes. I, I'm looking forward to seeing the answer. Uh, was it <laughs> reckless to bring him on? on? He probably played a part in it, for sure. And when he come on, it was it much more than a 20-minute, 25-minute training session? Half, half hour we played, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at, instead of training, to be perfectly honest. Now, I know yeah. there's more risk of being injured in a game, but you keeps can you get injured over, in training doing nothing. Yeah, it keeps you ticking over. And I, I, I'm really interested to see because they got the opportunity to win the league at home on Saturday in front of their own supporters. In my opinion, if I was Valverde, I wouldn't play any of them, if I was being honest. I'd go with a team that played against Wesker. Trust them to do the job. Um, if not, there's there's other games to do it. Three more points maximum needed. I think the Liverpool game is the one. Now then, Valverde has to evaluate whether certain players are better if they keep ticking over and keep playing. 
Um, or in the case of Messi, played at the weekend, didn't play last night or on Tuesday night. If he doesn't play at the weekends, then rested for Wednesday. Is that too long in his case? So maybe we'll, we might see similar to what we see at, at the weekend with Messi coming on for half an hour again, just to tick over and keep that sharpness. So I think Suarez needs a rest, though. I think going into the Liverpool game, it would be better if he could have four, five, six days to prepare for one game as opposed to two or three. So, But it's going to be interesting to see what Valverde does. Uh, Phil says, does the panel fear, the panel, I think that's you, uh, that uh, <laughs> Liverpool will give Barcelona a hiding? It caused a bit of stir, that one, on the on the social media. Yeah, no, early. that's Don't, staffed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's staffed, yeah. yeah uh, no, I was going to, I thought it was a reasonable question. Will... No, no, neither of the teams will give each other a hiding. They go for the other semi-final as well. It, it does really happens. I mean, it, I know it has happened in Barcelona on the end of one a few years back when they against Bayern Munich. Um, but that was a different team, different coach, a play, a team that weren't equipped particularly at that time to, to beat Bayern Munich. And no, I, I think Liverpool Barcelona is going to be a really tight game. But it's difficult one to call. I mean, we're looking at a team. The Premier League has reminded me of that season where Pellegrini finished runner-up to yes, it does Barcelona, mean, yeah. where yeah, yeah. The, you you couldn't drop a point. Dropping a point was critical. At any stage of that season, if you drew a game, it was the end of the world. Massive advances to the other team because neither team were dropping points. That's what we've we've got in the Premier League now. With two teams so much better than the others, barely dropping any points. And if Liverpool don't win the league, it might go back to a draw against Leicester months ago that cost them it. Yeah, um, and he got sacked so at the end of that season, didn't he, Pellegrini? Exactly. Um, and the sack was coming, wasn't it? Because everybody yeah. knew that Mourinho was, was coming in anyway. So, But that, that's what we're seeing in the Premier League. So that stress, that what is it taking its toll on the Liverpool players? The point I made earlier about being sharp and match-hardened, is it better for some players to keep playing every three or four days playing to their maximum. It's interesting when you ask how to players how they recover from games because it took me days. It really did. Um, I was in pain from all parts of my body for two or three days. And I know it's changed. I know that recovery, we didn't have recovery sessions. You played, you came in on Monday after a Saturday game. I was stiff as a ball Tuesday probably as well. Pains in my hamstrings, pains in my groins, pain in my lower back, pain from any knocks you've picked up. And I think we, we, we often talk about recovery and how players prepare for the next game without realising exactly what we're talking about. Now, it's much better now. They eat better straight after the game. We had no education in terms of eating or drinking. It was, to me, it was usual to see Alan Cork in the players' lounge having a pint 15 minutes after the game had ended, <laughs> covered in sweat from the, the quickest shower possible. But I, I'm saying that light-hearted, but we weren't educated. It was So we never had a warm down. We had the day off after the game more often than not. And, and it took a long time to recover. They're obviously recovering quicker now. But that is the issue. When you play a game, you feel muscle soreness from everywhere. And it, it, I'd be interested. To, I wish I could go back 25 years, play a game now, use the recovery period that the players have to see how it compares to hobbling around, limping around for, for 48 hours, possibly knowing you're going to be playing on a Wednesday. 
and yet somehow you were able to shake it off and, and go again. So I'm not sure it's the same for the players players now, but because they're, as I say, better educated, massages are readily available rather than, you know, we have one physio for 30 players. Um, and no so cryogenic not... chamber. <laughs> no, we didn't have that. How, how did you no, survive? No, no ice baths, thankfully. Right. Bloody hot bath, all jump in the hot bath after the game and... Um, that was it. There was no warm down, no stretching, no recovery, on session on prehab, rehab, um, none of that. So it is different. Pitches were different. I understand that. But I'm sure the players do still feel the same twinges. When I look at Luis Suarez, he looks to me like a player that, that suffers with body stiffness for two or three days after a game. Takes him 10 minutes sometimes to get going. And then sometimes that just that adrenaline, the competitive edge, that will to do it drives you on, and and then you go through the whole process again for another two or three days afterwards. So it, it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see how Barcelona play it. Liverpool haven't got the luxury of being able to pick and choose at the moment, so it's important for Valverde to look at his squad individually to see which players need a rest, which players don't. Rakitic probably falls into that category that. You know, he looks to me like a player that might take a little bit longer to recover from a game than someone like Jordi Alba. So it's up to Valverde to look at the players in training, speak to them. Um, and you, you can see, you, you can spot the signs of a manager for, as a manager and a coach and the coaching staff of which players are, you know, struggling in the warm-up, which ones don't look as, you know, as supple and as limber as they, they usually do. Um it's, it's something the manager has to look for now. A uh, couple of questions. Let's let's do these quickly. A couple of uh, Barca prior, uh, transfer questions. Stu, uh, who's there? Uh, what position is Barca uh, the highest priority to recruit for? Um, Roti, could Umtiti be leaving in the summer? And if yes, who can replace him? So, your quick one. What, what would you say, position to sign for Barca? I'd go all out for Delict, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah, answer both um, questions then. I see him as the replacement for PK, long term. Mm-hmm. So you've got a 31, 32-year-old in PK and 19-year-old in Delict. When you look at the two players and you compare them, they're both big and strong. They're both good defenders. They're both good at coming out with the ball. Delict. So it's important if Barcelona can look for replacements for PK, Busquets, Messi, Suarez in the long term. Messi is obviously going to be it's literally impossible. Um, but if there's a player like De Ligt who looks very similar to PK, um, then he should be one they go for. Whether that's the cost of allowing Umtiti to leave to cover the, the cost of bringing in De Ligt, I understand that. That might have to happen. Long term, they need a replacement for Suarez. That's, that's something that, that's ongoing that they've probably been looking at anyway. Um, so I would think they would have two. Cover for left-back for Jordi Alba. We've seen Sergio Roberto play there recently. Semedo can swap across to that side. Longley could do a job there. We've seen Vermaelen play there. But in an ideal world, with Jordi Alba being in his 30s now, someone that could take the pressure off by playing against some of the, the lower-ranked teams in La Liga, playing with the same energy, that might be another option for Barcelona as well. But that, when you, I talked earlier about clubs around Europe needing a major overhaul for Barcelona's point of view it is like cherry picking now isn't it they've got to pick exactly where they want interesting to see they're looking to keep Vidal um, 
and understand why he gives them another option. He's something different. He's not your classic Barcelona midfield player. Um, it's a serial winner, and sometimes it, that's the type of player you need to play in big games. Wouldn't surprise me if he plays against Liverpool now. Uh, Abelardo, so the the Alaves coach is leaving at the end of the season. They offered him a new well, deal. He said, he said he's no. not. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I've looked into it. The club have announced that he's not staying, and he's turned around and said, yeah. that's not exactly what I said. Um, so I don't know where the truth is. I'm, I'm assuming from that conversation, what's come out in the press is that they've offered him a deal and he's turned it down, and he's yeah. probably assuming there's going to be further negotiations, but it doesn't appear to be the case. So they're talking about SCA Garitano coming in, who did well at Leganes and... and didn't do so well at Real Sociedad this season. I kind of get that. That that, that seems to, to fit the profile of Alaves. Um, they're talking about Betis and Abelardo as well. Um, it, he'd get offers now, wouldn't he? He's done a good job at Alaves, hasn't he? Yes. Yep, and he's one of those coaches that I do, and, I, and I've often mentioned, and I've changed an opinion over the, the period of time I've been doing the podcast, that sometimes managers do get better the longer they're in a job. Um, not a particular job at a club, but if you've been a manager of two, three, four clubs, um, then you, if you're smart, then you will learn by your mistakes. You won't be the same manager you was five years ago, two or three seconds ago. And I, I, I put me in that category. He's, he's learned different manager entirely to what we saw at Sporting Hihon and and he's been an outstanding success. They were dead and buried when he took over. He kept them up and they're one or two people are a little bit frustrated they're not going to be in Europe this season. So he's he's done a brilliant job and linked with Sevilla as well. I think his name's been mentioned there. Um so he's he's gonna get definitely get get offers. Okay, let's have a little break there. We'll come back and have a look at the rest of the action from this midweek round in La Liga. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody, our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch, now kick! Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. GEICO makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your GEICO claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. GEICO, great service without all the drama. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.
So welcome back. Let's do all the scores, shall we? Wesker beat uh, Abar 2-0 via Dori beat Girona uh, 1-0. We've referred to that. Uh, or Actually, we haven't referred to that already, have we? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in, a, in a second. But we have mentioned Levante beating uh, Betis 4-0. So let's talk about the, the relegation situation. Sevilla 5, Raya Vallecano 0. Rich Gardner was there. Lucky man. Uh, Rayo Doom. Oh, lucky, yeah. I know, very nice, isn't it? Nothing without RDT, or Raul de Thomas. Uh, then uh, Sevilla, exciting every attack. Great to see old-fashioned wing play. Um, difficult to challenge for the for the league the way they play. So let's 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 uh, not necessarily talk about Sevilla just yet. Let's talk about the relegation situation. So uh, Rio gone. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yep. too late now, isn't it for them? You got Real Madrid away at the weekend as well. Um, at home to Real Madrid and Real Madrid Thomas isn't allowed to play in that one either. Yeah, so, so there's seven tonight, points. Not allowed to play against, yeah. Yeah, seven points from safety with four games to play. A couple of them were winnable, but that that, that wouldn't be enough, would it? So then Wesker probably gone as well, 29, because other teams just keep winning. And it's Girona who just keep dropping, Terry. What is it? Six consecutive defeats. Somehow you yeah. save your sacristan stays in a job. Again, I wouldn't normally advocate managers getting sacked, but I'm surprised he's still there. I, I am. And, and six consecutive defeats, but it's their, their home form as well. So they're looking this week, they're at home to Sevilla. So it's a big game for both teams. They haven't won a game at home since week 10. Yeah, October. So they were reliant October. No, that, that you're down if you do that. You yeah. can't rely on winning away games. I think they're 12 points at home, 22 points away. So it's a decent haul away from home. But it, it's even that isn't good enough to keep you up. If that game we're talking about, I think it's VRL, is one of only two they've won at home this season. You can't win two games at home and, and stay up. I mean, looking at Huesca and Raya, they've won four at home, those two. Um, so two games, it's, it's so unusual. I mean, we often have teams which struggle away from home that don't win many games. I'm looking at Abar, they've only won one game away from home this season. Um, but for, to have a team to struggle as badly as Girona are in their own stadium is is really unusual. And and again, we've last four, five, six weeks we've been saying they've been unlucky. They're just getting beat by the odd goal here and there. And this is exactly what what happened again in in this one. But this time. They're playing a relegation rival. Um, and to lose 1-0, it was a fine goal by Mitchell. Massive win. I mean, their second win in the last 13. They were sliding down the table. But Girona are the, the team to play at the moment if you want to get a win in, in a game of football. They're going to have to... They've got the quality to turn it around, but it's they're running out of time now. So home form, they've, they've got to improve massively and they've got time. Home game against Sevilla is the next game up for them. I don't hold out much hope they're going to get that win. So it's they're clearly going in the wrong direction. Via Delid, you know, they haven't been winning many games lately. I think it says second win in the last 13. It was, I thought it was going to be a draw. It's one of those that we saw at the weekend that it was Rio and Huesca that didn't do each other favours. Um, but Via Delid, as I said, it was a fine goal for Mitchell. Um, got the three points and has completely different look to the, the bottom of the table now for a number of teams after good midweek results. But it wasn't the best goal in that relegation battle, was it, this weekend, oh, this midweek, was no. it? Because Chimi Avila 
I mean, Gallego had scored a good goal, a really clever little flick, and then Chimi Avil. But it's, it's difficult to convey on a podcast, isn't it? Basically, you have, go and have a look on our Facebook page and have a trawl through and find it, or have a look. It's on YouTube if you want to find it. Uh, it's a brilliant goal, isn't it? I mean, there's not much more to say about it. He volleys it from the edge of the penalty area straight from the from the corner. Uh, good quality in La Liga down the bottom end at the moment. There is, and it's similar, reminiscent of... We, we often see it. I mean, Paul Scholes is one of the famous ones isn't it? against Bradford, I think, where they take the corner, ping it out the outside the box and someone volleys it. But it's the, the technique. I think he's further out than Paul Scholes. It's top corner, so much power on it. And Huesca, they've improved as the season has gone on. But I have to say, and I think we've been saying it for a few weeks now, it, it's, it's come too late for them. So... It's it can be interesting to see how they cope. I think fortunately in their case, a lot of their players are on loan, so they can look to. They're not going to get caught out financially where they're paying sal big salaries to players that have got to stay at the club. So it's been tough on them first season up. It's been a learning process first season in this division, but they've just come up short and it's taken them too long to to improve to the level they are now. Um, but that, no, it was, it was good win against Avar, who mid-table haven't got a lot to play for, um, and Huesca, you know, got the result they deserved in that game. Uh, Pete says, delighted to see Villarreal win again. They've underachieved this year, but are a credit to La Liga with their style of play. They have an abundance of talented strikers that should stand them in good stead next season. They've got 39 points from 34. Is that enough already? Is that are they done? Oh, no, 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 no. Five five clears your owner. Traffic yeah. in between. But it possibly is. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be sitting there with no more points for the next four games. And I, I think the way Virial are playing at the moment, they, they'll get more points. So that's why they'll be safe there. And I, I don't wish to see anyone go down. I, I, but I wished Virial to stay up for the good of the division. I think so. to say they're underachieved is an understatement. It's They should be anywhere near relegation. The quality they've got, I know they're a club that are sometimes forced into selling their best players. I get that, but they have far too much quality. Talk about the strikers. They've got abundance of good midfield players, really good La Liga defenders, good fullbacks, very good goalkeeper. Um, they have mucked up Massively this year, and they're gonna they're gonna get away with it. I think. I think the true example of what the team they should be was the fact they they got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. That's not a surprise, is it? To see VRL mm. get to get to that stage, the surprise has been that they've, they've been in the relegation final season. Yeah, so they won 1-0 away to Real Sociedad. Gerard Moreno, the goal scorer. One more from the sort of bottom end. Uh, Espanyol won. Celta Vigo won. Maxi Gomez for Celta. Wu Lei with the goal for Espanyol, which is always good for La Liga's uh, Asian profile, which is what it's all about, uh, of course. Uh, Espanyol doing a <laughs> remarkable job of another mid-table finish. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. You think law of averages would suggest that they would finish higher or lower <laughs> one season, but here they go again. They're gonna, they're, again, they're going to be in the in the Espanyol range come the end of the season. Uh, yeah, they've uh, so covered everything this year, haven't they? Because they were, they were threatening the top of the league at October. November. Yeah. Then they went about ten games, and I think lost them all. 
And then they looked like they were getting dragged into a relegation battle, and all of a sudden you look and see they're ninth, and it's really comfortable. Yeah, they, 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 that's a that's an Espanol season, though, isn't it? It's just you, yeah, whatever exactly. happens in the end, they're going to end up mid table. <laughs> they, they either start badly and do well, or start well and do badly. Uh, let's have a look at the the uh, quick look at the Atletico Valencia game. Good game, wasn't it? In the in the pouring rain. I mean, that was some rain, wasn't it? Uh, Tom Dolman says, "How did Atletico Valencia finish three two with Simeone and Marcelino in charge?" <laughs> and Nick Turner, nobody tells Simeone and Marcelino they manage the best defensive sides in the league. Tafe might have an objection to that, but yeah, a terrific, terrific game, terrific fun, and uh, a goal. fantastic goal to, to wrap it up, wasn't it? The Correa one at the end for Atletico. There's, there's a great, great angle, isn't there? Where he, it's you can see how wide of the goal he starts it off, where he's bent it, and it must be a good two yards where he's wrapped his foot around it, starts outside the post. You can see the goalkeeper thinking that's going wide, and then oh, it's it's not. Um, it was a really. I think the weather played a part. Those two managers would have hated that game, uh, but I think it played it played its part in. Uh, there was it had an element, a real element of end of season game, but there was so much riding on it. Atletico are determined to finish above Real Madrid. Valencia going for the, the Champions League spot, but the weather forced all the supporters away from the, the front rows of the stadium, which is a worry when it's a brand new stadium and yet the first. 10 rows probably, it appears you, you're going to get soaking wet. Um, but no, it was, a, it was a terrific game of football. Really good. Didn't expect uh, I think... it. No, the five goals, no chance. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Leganes nil, Athletic one. So Athletic just, uh, well, they're seventh actually. So they're, in the, they're in the European places, aren't they? Yep. Um, what, a, what a goal. I mean, it's one of the best headers I've seen from a corner this season. Yeah, um, one small technicality <laughs> listener. <laughs> I, I know. And Nesri, own goal. I mean, he's climbed and he's faced his goal. He's, how, much, how far out would you say? Pushing 10 yards. Yes, yeah. It, it's a corner that's, my, I'm trying to remember it, watch so many goals. Is it swinging out? I think it's swinging out, isn't it? And he's jumped up, powered it back into the top corner from eight, 10 yards out past his yeah. own goalkeeper. He hadn't scored it, in a it, while, had he? So obviously he's no. getting itchy. I, I mean, we we forgot to mention the one that smacks Paolo Lopez in the face from the corner. But they're yes, accidents. Yeah. They're they're freaks. They're mistakes. But to see a, a player jump up, power it in the top corner, and it that's the, it's gone the wrong. It's an own goal. It was strange goal, really strange. But athletically, well, their form was a com, com, complete turnaround. Um, and they, I I. I think they have a chance, don't they? I mean, it's going to be difficult for them to get Champions League. I was looking at the, the table before going into the game tonight. If Tafe didn't get a point, if Sevilla didn't win and stuff like that. I and mean, Athletic are three points behind Valencia. They're six points off a Champions League game, four games to go. I haven't had a chance yet to see who they've got to play, whether it's a good run-in, whether they get to play any of the teams above them. But it is remarkable since the changing manager... Um, the trans- it's been a transformation in that team. So, tough win away from home against Leganes. Not too many teams have been able to, to win there this season. It's uh, a difficult place to go and, and get three points, but Athletic are on the march at the moment. Just Unfortunately, they're just going to be too late for a genuine pop at the top four, I think. Uh, they've got decent games, and then they've got Sevilla last day, I believe, uh, Athletic. Ooh, it'll be interesting. Yes. 
Good game, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. small questions. Uh, Cameron wants to know, is there any way La Liga could approach the same financial prowess of the Premier League? What markets can La Liga expand into to get more sponsors, better TV revenue? Now, it's something that they spend a lot of time uh, thinking about. It brings us on, well, we've got questions on the Saudi Arabia thing in a bit, so let's let's wait on that. Um, but they're, they're working hard to go around Very. the world. I, I, I still think they need to just get their, their own house in order a little bit. Yeah, Terry, I, I, I went to a game uh, last week. I went to a League One game and the away fans were having such a good time. The Charlton fans, it was. They were having yeah. a great time, making noise, providing a great atmosphere. And I, I do think that's a mistake that La Liga, there isn't the great tradition. It's quite hard to buy tickets at a lot of away grounds. Um, and, you know, I know lots of guys from, from England who go out and... and uh, try and watch games in the Liga. They, they, you know, it's quite hard. It's awkward to buy the tickets if you're not a season ticket uh, holder. The the games are arranged at short notice. I honestly think filling your own stadium before you worry about China, or you know, by all means, do it at the same time. But don't neglect looking after your own fans because at the expense of taking it to America or China or Saudi Arabia. You've got, to, you, you've got to look, those people are going to fill your stadium. They're going to provide the atmosphere. They're the ones who aren't going to desert you when, when you have a downturn at some point in the future. That's, I do think that's what they lack. And also, there is a commercial naivety in terms of buying stuff from Spanish clubs that you can definitely do from English clubs much better. So I, I think, you know, I think they're way behind still in, in you know, and I don't necessarily think they're exploiting the right things. I don't know what you think. I, I totally agree with you. I was disappointed to see the stadium tonight in Hatafe against Real Madrid. Yeah, 13,000. You know, Bradford, yeah. had, Bradford, bottom of League One, had 15,000 at the weekend. But I, I, I don't get the issue with the Real Madrid fans playing in the city. If there's. Uh, what's the. Have you any idea of the capacity of the Coliseum? Probably yeah, about, set twenty. Yeah, to get up to twenty. So, yeah. Well, yeah, why isn't like, that? Yeah. Why isn't that a sellout tonight? And I know Real Madrid are running the season down, but the Real Madrid have got twenty, thirty, forty thousand supporters that are own that would go to that game, given that if it was easy enough to do so. So that that that's always a disappointment. I watched the Espanyol game. There was pretty much an empty stadium. So there, there's, there is a, an, an issue there. It doesn't look great on television for the rest of the world. Um, and I don't know whether it's ticket prices, kickoff times, but there, there has to be a reason. I know the culture of a waiter pool is, is gradually getting some momentum. I think Betis in particular. Now, I know Spain's a big country, and but it's a country where people do move around. So... You get Andalusians that support Malaga and Betis that might go and live up in San Sebastian or they might be living in the Asturias up in the, the top part of Spain. They might be living in Madrid. So it's not necessarily a question of someone travelling from Sevilla that support Betis or Sevilla travelling all the way to Barcelona or to Madrid. You know, people do move around, and, and but there still isn't that attachment to make them go to an away game, even if they live in Barcelona. Espanyol playing Betis in the past... 
it wouldn't have been the done thing to go and watch a game, you know, in that stadium. But I think slowly but surely it's coming around that way. So any way that, that can be encouraged, yes, if people want to make the journey and, you know, they're long journeys, you know, in La Liga where supporters, if it's a midweek game, it's probably impossible to go. Um, but if there's any way they can accommodate those away supporters to get the atmosphere, to get stadiums more full, reduce ticket prices, um, make the overall match day experience better. So if that means putting a roof on a stadium, put a roof on the stadium. It, it's wrong to expect people to sit out. I know Spain is a country that everyone thinks is bathed in sunshine for 365 days a year. That's not the case. It's cold, it's wet, it's windy. You, you know, we, we saw Atletico Madrid the other night in Madrid. You know, everybody thought David Beckham had an all-year-round tan from sitting in the sunshine <laughs> in Madrid all year. That, uh, I'm, I'm suspecting now that he had a sunbed. Um, but it, it was... It, you know, I've been to Madrid loads of times. It, it can be freezing cold. It's raining. It's so it, they have to, to give the supporters... I wouldn't pay to go and sit in an open stadium in, in this country in the middle of winter with no roof knowing there's a fair chance it's going to piss down with rain on me every 10 minutes. So it, that, that's what, it, you know, little things like that need to be addressed. Um, and I agree that their priorities should be with the home supporters, the people in Spain that, that watch games on a regular basis. And how on earth Hatafe are not selling out that stadium when they're playing Real Madrid in a big game for Hatafe um, and Real Madrid's 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes up the road is I, I, I've never understood it and never will. Right, well, we're being honest, Barca Dummy says so much talk from the various leagues about stopping the hate of inclusion, etc. And the Spanish Football Federation is considering Super Copa in Saudi Arabia. Uh, women can attend, question mark, gays, Westerners without minds. Now, the women can attend. And so, in a sense, that's the spin that the Spanish Federation are putting on it, saying that we, we're, we're helping... We're helping move Saudi Arabia on. If you if you want to see it that way around, we might have people listening uh, in Saudi Arabia to this, but you know we, we can give an Hopefully. honest opinion. Yeah, but we can we can give an honest opinion in it, can't we? I mean, my my view is one: play in the Spanish league, play play in Spain. It doesn't seem that straight. You know, it doesn't seem that mind-boggling to me. And secondly, if if these things matter. Uh, then it really matters who you who your commercial partners are. You you can't say we're anti-racist, we're you know we're anti-homophobia and all of that. And as soon as you get a decent offer, you ah, forget that. <laughs> you know, I, I just think it's I think it's wrong to go to Saudi Arabia. I, I just I, you know I'm, I'm I'm sorry, but I do. I, I, do do you want to give a view, Terry? Or, or... I, I totally agree with you. And I, I think most people in general would would agree with you. So it's like. Is it just justifiable what they're saying in terms of they're going to try and, and educate and try and change things, move things in the right direction? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if anyone's buying that, are they? I, I'd, I'd be more. I'd have more time for that if they weren't getting paid thirty million euros to go. You know, it it, it gets the, the the cynicism radar going, doesn't it? When you, when someone's exactly. being paid a lot of money, exactly. So, you know. So yeah, so there we are. That's 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 our view, Barca. If feel free, you know, we'll, we'll read them out. If you've got a different view, uh, if if you're in Saudi Arabia, if if you think Saudi Arabia and you know the, the you know we we need to be educated about the way of life there, then fine, get in touch and we'll read them out uh, next week. Let's um, 
Uh, Coffee Coffee wants to know who's your Premier League Player of the Year. I said I said I would ask you. I, I was asking on Twitter earlier. So um, Premier League Player of the Year. Yeah. yeah. Raheem, Raheem Sterling. Right. Yeah. Good. Good shout. Yep, uh, I'd go Van, Raheem Van Sterling. Van Dyke seems to be about to win all the polls, doesn't he? But uh, yeah, I, 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 I might go along with uh, Raheem Sterling. We'll have a look. We'll do all of the Player of the Year stuff in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I, I have, uh, th- This is not as important a point as the previous point, but I don't know why everyone does their Player of the Year when there's still some league to be played <laughs> yet. Exactly. Because... And, and to be these things, a lot of things to be decided, not just in La Liga, in the Premier League, all over the place. Yeah, Virgil no, van Dijk I, I agree with you. smash four own goals between now and the end of the season, you know, and cost Liverpool the league. Uh, but it would be the player of the year. Just wait. Why? What, you vote digitally now. It takes a second. Oh, yeah, everyone stuff. goes on holiday when the season ends. So you've got to bear that in mind, John. <laughs> yeah, they, they can send a tweet or they can upload an app, can't they? Literally, bang, I'm on the way to the exactly. airport. Done. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, right, and one more question. It's a big answer, this one. Give us a short one. Uh, JR, from the top, from the non-top six Premier League clubs, who are the La Liga transfer targets you would go for? So don't get the top players, he says. Go a level below that. Oh. But, right, so it's a big question, isn't it? So maybe uh, what we'll do, we'll, maybe next week we'll get our teams of the year, get get them going. Because I think when we do that team of the year, where you're only allowed one player from each team, that actually is, that's what the scouts and direct, and the head of recruitment directors of football should be looking at. Because it's people who watch a lot of La Liga telling you who the really good players at Hetafe and Alaves and, and Girona and all of these clubs are. And there are some good players, aren't there, in those Yeah, those and clubs. we have very knowledgeable listeners and viewers in Spanish football. Uh, I, 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 we're just doing the jobs of the scouts. <laughs> but yeah, they come yeah. to the right place. They come to the right place and they can start with... We're a good place to start in terms of the, the talent throughout the league. I know it's not easy watching every league, covering every league in Europe or across the, the different parts of the world. Um, but we're a good place to start if people want to know who the good players are. Our, our listeners, the people who watch regular La Liga football on television in this country, they, they recognise the, the good players in La Liga and the, the up-and-coming players as well. Uh, right, let's leave it there, shall we? Let's Because uh, there's a, a, another round of games coming up at the weekend. Uh, you're off to Barcelona <laughs> tomorrow. It, it never yep. ends, Terry. All this football you've got to watch. It's, it's, uh... I love the yeah. I love these weeks where it, I was disappointed. There's no Friday night game. Uh, <laughs> everyone's been given Friday off for into Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So tomorrow, rounding up. I'm not sure we're rounding up games from this week, previewing games from the weekend. But there's there's a lot to play for, um, lots to talk about. So I'm, again, I'm a, a day without a game, and then looking forward to the weekend's action. Right. So we will speak from Barcelona after the, the weekend uh, games have finished and we'll do another yep. podcast then. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.
Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.